I want to talk to you today about transitions. Uh, if you've been serving the Lord for very long at all, and even if you're new to the faith, you understand that there's transitions in our walk with the Lord. And um, it is important that we are able to navigate through those transitions uh, with grace and dignity and that we, we recognize when God is doing something in us. But literally, once you and I said yes to the Lord and made Him the Lord of our lives, um, we started on a journey. <clears throat> it's a walk of faith. It didn't just end when you said yes. Some people think that that's it, now I'm going to heaven, and so uh, that's the end of, of what I... No, no, no. It's a walk of faith. And because God is taking us from glory to glory and grace to grace and revelation to revelation. How many know that's true? I, was, I told our 9 o'clock congregation, um, I woke up this morning singing one of our old, old, old songs we sang in, uh, in church years ago. Um, Becky will remember it. Um, I can't remember it right now. I was in my, my head. Oh, rolled away, rolled away. Uh, <clears throat> and it's, it's a fine song. Um, but I re when I listen, when I think back now to some of the songs we sang back in our earlier days that we have such fond memories of, there's many wonderful songs, many songs of great spiritual depth and wonderful theology in the hymns. There's a few of them we sang that were, to use Dez's word, they were ditties, you know. Uh, and he wasn't being necessarily diminutive when he was, when he was saying that. But they were kind of, musically, they were kind of ditties and they were catchy and they were cute. Uh, but in all honesty, when I listen to them now and I examine the lyrics of them, they were, they were kind of shallow uh, and didn't have some of the depth that we have certainly in the hymns and some of the other things that we sing today. And you know, I, it struck me this way. That's because God is taking us from revelation to revelation. The further we go in God and the further the church advances in the church age, He reveals more and more of Himself. In our lifetimes, we have come to understand a whole lot more about praise and about worshiping Him for who He is, that He's God and God alone and worthy of our praise. And so it is interesting to see how God is, is moving us from one place to the next. Some of you started your journey with Jesus many, many years ago. Put the next one up. I, I asked um, the media department, Michael Bell did a great job early this morning. Because what I want to talk about are these transitions in life. I'm going to obviously take you to a certain text in just a moment that we will apply the specifics of that text to these transitions. But what I'm obviously doing is I'm asking you to see how, though the circumstances may be different, how the transition will apply to you and where you are. Because here's the reality. Here's what we know to be true. Every one of us here are somewhere on this continuum. From the moment you say yes to Jesus... And how many of you have said yes to Jesus? All right. From the moment you say yes to Jesus, you start on a path. You start on a journey. You don't even know what all is going to be in that journey, all the way until you are taken to your eternal home. And Michael said, I can't let the line stop there because it's eternity. I've got I to keep it going. So we're going to fill these in a little bit today. Even if you're not a note taker, this might be a good day because it will, it will get, help you get the maximum out of what we've prepared for you today. But I want to talk about these transitions and what we see happen to, particularly to Peter in a very familiar text, and then, and then see what happened along the way and see what the Lord might be saying 
to us in the next few minutes. He's taking us from glory to glory, from grace to grace, from revelation to revelation. Somebody say amen. Probably the best example I can find in Scripture, or one of the best examples, is how Jesus transitioned one of His believers, and it's in, the, it's in the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. If you have your Bible or your device, you can turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. It's a story that we all know well. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read just four verses. That will be our text this morning. I'm going to read it now in its entirety just to get it back in our minds. And then as I take it apart verse by verse, we'll see these principles applied here. Here's Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 3. Then he, Jesus, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Simon Peter. And he asked him to just put out a little, a little from, from the land, just, just right there. Put out a little from the, from the land. And he sat down, Jesus did, and taught the multitudes from the boat. Verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Yes, you old-timers, I know that song too. Verse 5, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, say that word. We'll be saying that word a lot today. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Christ is taking Peter on a journey. And oh, what a journey it is. Just like He's got you and me on a journey. Circumstances may be different, but the principles are essentially the same. He has us on a journey, which is taking us from where we are today, actually started back when we said yes to Him, where we are today, to where He is calling us to be. Now, I I do want to put this clause in here because this is an important thing for you to note. When God is transitioning us in Christ, it is not for us to earn more of God's love. Because you know what? God loves you today as much as He ever has loved you and as much as He ever will love you. God loves you because He loves you. The transitions are not about earning more of God's love. Rather, the transitioning God has for us is about us living in the fullness that He has designed for us to live in while on this earth. It's the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 3 who says this, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed or changed or, or, or transitioned, is our, kind of our word today, into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I took a moment early in my office today to read that passage again, what the apostle saying. He talks so much about, you know what, the day you said yes to Jesus, the veil was lifted and you were able to see things that you cannot otherwise see. We've often heard people who get saved who say the colors are brighter and, and everything's richer and, and fuller and, and different. The veil was removed from our eyes 
I'm, I'm going to make it a mission of mine to do a little further study about that passage in 2 Corinthians, about the veil being removed. That's why we often talk to people who um, are not believers, and if you talk at anything that has, of any spiritual value to it, they just look at you because the, their, they, their, their view is clouded because their eyes are still veiled. But Paul says we're being transformed from glory to glory, and it's for our good and our betterment. Now, as I go through this process here, it's going to be a, a series of questions. Certainly don't want you to answer out loud, but I absolutely want you to answer it within the quiet of your own heart, being honest and transparent with yourself, and see how you answer the questions that we're going to pull from the breaking down of these verses of our, of our, of our text. All right, first one is, is verse 3, Luke 5, verse 3. Then he, Jesus, got into one of the boats which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down, and he taught the multitudes from the boat. It's not a huge commitment that he's asking from Peter. Just, just right out there. Just go. I'm not asking you to go along. Just put me out here in, in the water just a bit. Not very far. The shallow part, that, that, that's fine. It's, that's where I want us to go. And I can almost imagine Peter saying, you know, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm really tired. I've been, been fishing all night. And, and, but if we're just going to go a little ways, uh, I, can, I can do that. And isn't that very much how the Lord deals with us in the beginning? He may ask something of us that is uh, maybe a little inconvenient. Maybe it's a little time-consuming. But the truth is it's, 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 not a, it's not a huge commitment. He had just a little bit out there. That's all, that's all I'm asking. You know, okay, it's typically something we can do fairly easily, and it doesn't really seem to require too much. But then in verse 4, we see this first transition. We see Jesus taking Peter to his next step, verse 4. When he, Jesus, had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Now, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, you and I have the privilege of knowing what this text says and where this is going. We know that Jesus is about to take Peter to a place that he's never been before. Now, we're not talking about that Peter has not been out in deep water. He's, he's been out fishing, it's his career, many, many times. He'd been in the deeper part of the water. But because Jesus speaks to us so often and most often in metaphors and parables and stories, what we see is that basically Jesus is saying to Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep, but it has nothing to do with the boat, has nothing to do with the nets has nothing to do with the fish that he wants him to catch. It has a greater purpose. And the Lord may be asking you today to launch out into the deep, and you're assuming it has to do with your boat, with the fish that you're supposed to catch, and with the nets. That's what, that's what you're possibly assuming. That's how you've looked at it. When all the while, I'm just trying to awaken your heart and your spirit and your mind to the fact that God might very well have a much greater purpose as He's asking you to launch out into the deep. Jesus is saying to Peter, I want you to launch out into the depths of who I'm calling you to become. That's what I want you to launch out into. And Christ is bringing him to the very threshold of transition, and he may be doing the same thing with some of us in this room today. Because if you're listening close enough, you will find that Jesus has climbed into the boat, and he's saying something like this to you. 
Let's push out a little bit. Could you just take me out there in your boat? Just, a little, just out there. Right, right. We can see it. That's, that's where I want to go. It's not, it's not far. So maybe what he's saying, it sounds more like this. You, know, you, you just need to get in church. You need to, um, be, you need to become part of a fellowship. You, you, need to, you need to get plugged in at church. Get to know <coughs> excuse me, some other believers. Maybe you can find a place of service. Maybe it's, 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 not, it's just out here. Why don't, you, why don't you go operate one of those cameras that Pastor Brent needs need you to operate? Because we've got, we've got live streaming from every corner of this building taking place now. We need lots of help. Maybe you could help with It's not all that, that far. Just right there. You might find a place of service. You, you, you need to put forth a little effort to, to get connected to the body of Christ. Get to know some. Don't just walk in late and leave early and not even speak to anybody. Get connected to the body of Christ. Just, just a little bit. Just, just, just right out there. Or why don't you, <clears throat> I'll get in trouble for this, why don't you try tithing and, and see if I will keep my word to you, that I will pour out a blessing to you that you can't even, con- just right out here, right here in the shallows. And once Jesus brings us through the first easy step, right here, and he stops speaking to the multitudes and he says, okay, I want you now to launch out into the deep. And what we essentially see here is Jesus approaching Peter with the same question that he's possibly asking you and me today, and that's this. Can you make the transition from listening to launching? Can you make that transition? You see, initially, he was only asking Peter to listen. Just put me out there in your boat and just listen as I'm speaking to the crowd. Just listening. Jesus climbed the boat, they push out a little from the shore, and Jesus spoke to the multitudes. Anybody can simply listen. Anybody can do that. Anybody can listen to a sermon or even a podcast. Or, 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 or listen to something. It's not hard at all. But I want to remind you, Bethesda, what James says in James chapter 1. He says, don't just listen to the word of truth. And not respond to it. We know it. Don't be just, just hearers of the word only. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond. For that is the essence of self-deception. So I love the way this version says it. So always let his word become like poetry, written and fulfilled by your life. It is written and listened to. But then it must not only, it can't stay there. Just listen. It then needs to become fulfilled in my life. And the question you and I must each answer is this. Am I just listening to the word of the Lord or is it being fulfilled in my life? But that is at some point, some place in this journey with Christ, we each must make the transition from simply listening to launching. And the church said amen. Verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. And if you stop right there, it's kind of depressing. (laughs) Poor guys, hard work for hours. But some measure of faith arose in Simon at that moment to cause him to say this. But nevertheless, say it. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down 
the net. And here is where we then essentially find Jesus asking Peter the next question, which I'm presenting to you today, which is this. Can you make the transition from launching out to letting down? Can you do that? You're the one who has to answer it. If the first question is, can you go from listening to launching, then we learn beyond that there is a third step here, and that is letting down. Because what's the point of launching? What's the point of launching? I've got one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I knew, knew somebody was going to bring me one. Appreciate that. <clears throat> what is the point of launching out deeper if you don't catch anything? You don't just go out in the deep for no reason. Some people like that. I'm in deep water. Whoop-de-doo. But there's a reason. It's pointless if you just launch out and not let down your nets, knowing that Jesus has called us to be fishers of men. And what we know is that some people might be willing to launch out, but not willing to let down their nets. And let me just say this. There's far too many of us who have, in not letting down our nets, there's many of us who've been Christians even for a long, long, long time, who've never spoken to anyone about Christ and His power to save. Never led anyone to Jesus at all. For whatever reason, we're just, we, we, we haven't done that. Never even hinted the fact that you're part of Bethesda Church or that you attend church because you don't want to be perceived as whatever you think they're not going to perceive you as. So the question is, can we make the transition from launching out to letting down? It's one thing to start your journey, but it's an entirely different thing to let down and cast your nets. And let me ask you this. Why, in God, do we try to make sense of something that doesn't make sense? Why, in God, do we try to make sense of something that doesn't make sense? And I think you're going to see yourself in this, because I see myself. You heard Peter's response. Jesus, I know you said to let the nets down, but we've tried that. We did that. In fact, in fact, we spent the entire night out there trying to catch fish. And Jesus, you know that nighttime is the best time to catch fish, right? Also, do you remember, Jesus, that I've been fishing my whole life? This is not my hobby. This is what I do for a living. And so what Jesus told him to do did not make sense. I don't know how this works for you, but I've certainly discovered in my many years of serving the Lord that when the Lord is truly challenging me to do something in any area of my life, it rarely makes sense. You know what I'm talking about. It rarely makes sense. It's almost always difficult for me to wrap my mind around it. It's rarely something that I can figure out in my mind, hard as I may try, figure out in my mind or, or, or plan it out according to my way of planning it, which is what I naturally want to do. And I am really terrific. I am so good at letting the Lord know all the reasons why this is not going to work. Am I the only ones or anybody else in the room? Please tell me there's, there's two, three... Yeah, come on. The rest of you, we'll give an altar call for liars in a few minutes, all right? Aren't we good when the Lord whispers something to our heart and it sounds either challenging or inconvenient or difficult or, or kind of maybe you don't really want to? Lord, you know, we've tried that before. The church has done that or, or you know, my folks did that. It never worked for them. It's not going to work for me. Let me tell you why. Why? 
And you can go and rehearse the reasons over and over and over and over why it's not going to work. But I wonder, is there anybody here in the room today who's been fishing for a breakthrough for a long time and you've caught nothing? You've caught nothing. The thing you've asked me to do, God, I've tried it before and it's never worked out. I caught nothing. I've been praying for healing, God, for so many years and for a long time, and I've caught nothing, Lord. I've been praying for my marriage to be restored for a long time, and I've caught nothing. I put down that net. I've caught nothing. I've been praying for clarity and purpose for my life and my job and my career, and I've fished, and I've fished, and I've fished, and I've caught nothing. But then somehow... Peter had this transitional moment in his mind where instead of fighting against, instead of rehearsing all the reasons why his many years of experience would prove that this is not a good idea and not going to work, he stopped all the calculating. He stopped himself from rehearsing with Jesus all the reasons why it won't work, and he reached that dynamic point of transition, which we've also seen others in Scripture, particularly the psalmist, reach when he said this, Verse 5, nevertheless, say it, at your word, I will let down the net. Even though it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Even though I've tried it before and it didn't work. In fact, the last few hours I've tried it and it didn't work. But I'm willing to do it. It is the exact same place where we find Martha in John chapter 11. When Lazarus had died and Jesus showed up at the house and Martha came out with full of her attitude about the whole thing, and she said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But that transition, she said, but even now. You know what she's saying? Nevertheless, say it. What she's saying is, but even now, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But that shift that happens in the heart of a believer, that shift that happens to the person who's committed themselves wholly to trusting the Lord. But even now, nevertheless, uh, let me give you another one. For Moses, it was the moment that he was standing on the shore of the Red Sea. And he looks back at the Israelites and he says, okay, I want you to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. I see the circumstances. I know we've got our backs against this big body of water here, and I know that the enemy is coming. I can see them coming, and they're fast approaching, and it looks like we have no way out. But nevertheless, for Elijah in 1 Kings 18, it's dry. There's been no rain, and Elijah sends his servant to go out and look toward the sea with just some hope hoping for, for some kind of cloud in the sky that has a promise of rain to it. And not once, not twice, but six times, Elijah sends that servant to go look toward the sea in hopes of seeing something. Surely he'll see If I keep sending him, he's going to see some kind of promise that rain is coming. And six times, the servant returned with the bad news, there is nothing at some point, you'd realize this is not working. It's not going to happen. Give up. Six times. But then on the seventh time, Elijah said, nevertheless. Say it. Again. On the seventh time, nevertheless, go again. And this time, you know what happened. 
The servant returns saying, well, there, yeah, there is a cloud, but it's, it's just insignificant. It's just, it's just the size. Of, it's as small as, as a man's hand rising out of the sea. But that was enough within Elijah to say, pack them up, boys. We better get going before the rain stops us because the Lord's providing. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Nevertheless, Bethesda, it is time for someone in here today. I don't know who you are. I don't need to know who you are necessarily. Someone, though, needs to stretch out their faith and declare, nevertheless, the circumstances dictate one thing. The circumstances say there's no hope for me, that it's always turned into failure. It's never happened the way I, uh, time after time after time. Nevertheless, I will do it. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was the idea of either climbing into a fiery furnace or bowing down to the image of King Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, nevertheless, we will not bow down because our God will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. It's a moment that every Christian who is on the journey must face in their life. Will you declare nevertheless? Say that word one more time. I want to get that word sunk in your hearts today. <clears throat> Seems that Jesus was setting Peter up because in this moment, Peter was learning how to Walk on the words of Jesus. And here's what we know to be true, folks. You will be walking on something every moment of your life. You'll either be walking on your feelings. How's that working out for you? You'll be walking on your circumstances. Is that a lot of fun? You're going to be walking on your emotions, <clears throat> which might change this afternoon after lunch. But in this moment, we see in our text today that Peter is learning to walk on nothing other than the Word of the Lord because he says, nevertheless, at your Word. At your Word, Lord, I'm going to give it a shot one more time because you said so. And you'll remember that it was just a short time later that they are once again at sea and Jesus comes walking on the water. It's Matthew chapter 14. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said one word. He said, come. One word. Now, surely, Peter had to be thinking, I can't walk on the water. But nevertheless, it doesn't make sense. It defies everything that's reasonable. But nevertheless, at your word, I will do it. Let me tell you something, folks. Peter didn't walk on the water that day. No, he walked on a word. He walked on the word of the Lord that day. And you and I choose every day what we're going to walk on. I would dare to ask you, what are you walking on today? What are you walking on today? You know what I mean. You're walking on your feelings. You're walking on your emotions. You're walking on your opinions. Are you walking upon your mindsets? Dan, stay out of certain places you shouldn't go. Are you walking on relationships? You're walking on your political position? What are you walking on today? And of all the options that are there for us, 
we absolutely have to learn the discipline of walking on the word of the Lord, for it's the only thing that can hold you up. Somebody in the church ought to say amen to that. So here's my next question for you. Can you let down your nets even after you've been let down? Listen to me, please. This transitional progression to me, put me put the thing back up, the progression. This, this progression is just astounding. I've been soaking in it for a couple of weeks, actually. It's, it's astounding. Jesus said, just put out a little bit into the shallow water. Just put out a little bit right there. We're just, you're just going to listen to me, talk to the people. Now, l- launch on out into the deep. Let's go, a little, let's go a little further. Launch on out into the deep. Where are you today? And after launching out, then, then now let down your nets. I, I know it probably doesn't make sense, but nevertheless, we'll do it. Let, let, let down your nets. How many of you in your work have ever... We use this phrase, pull an all-nighter. Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Had to pull an all-nighter. You know what I'm talking about. I can tell you as an orchestrator arranger for over 35 years, <clears throat> due to the deadline of facing an orchestra the very next day, contracts are signed, everyone's booked, thousands of dollars will be spent. I have to show up with the arrangement. There's not an option to there. And yet the publishing company or the record company possibly, probably got the material, the, the songs of what I'm supposed to be working on for them too late, but that did not change my deadline. And so some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. They were late getting it to you, but your deadline didn't change. And so that got all compressed and, and squished. And many, 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 way too many were the nights I never shut my eyes, but kept putting notes on the page for the next day's recording. These guys had pulled an all-nighter. Probably their bones hurt, their muscles hurt, their eyes were blurry, they couldn't see straight. And Jesus comes to them right after they pulled an all-nighter, right after they had already done what he's now asking them to do. And Peter had just spent hours launching into the deep, spent hours letting down his nets all night long, and he's caught nothing. He's been let down. Every time he put that net down and pulled it up with nothing, he's been let down. And Jesus is saying to him, listen, I want you to go right back to the very place you just came from. Mm. And I want you to let down your nets again. Do you find yourself there today? You've tried to forgive that person before, and you've been let down. You've tried to find a relationship since your divorce, and that didn't go so good. So, Pastor Dan, I've never let that net down again. I've made up my mind, you know, burn me once, shame on me. Burn me twice, you know, burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. I'm not doing that again. What is it in your life that the Lord is saying to you, yes, I know you've tried this before. I know it failed maybe many times, and didn't go well. But I'm telling you to let down your net again. And today, you are sitting in this sanctuary or watching online, and you're needing the faith to say, Lord, it doesn't make sense to me. That's the truth. It doesn't make sense. I failed at this so many times I can't even tell you. But nevertheless, at your word, I will do it. And I've come here, Bethesda, to say to you, this is the time for you to let down your nets that have previously let you down.
What strikes me about this passage is that these men had to let down something that was empty. Their nets were empty. That's what they were letting down. They had to take their empty nets into the deep and let them down. So it causes me to ask you, is there some part of you that is empty today? You feel very, very empty. The empty part of your soul may very well be the very part of you that you need to let down. That's going to require a vulnerability. It's going to require a trust level maybe you've not reached before. But you need to go out into the deep because you're only going to catch in the deep. Quit trying to let your nets down in the shallow where it seems safer to you because the Lord's called you to launch out into the deep to let your nets down. And I don't like this next part any more than you do. In fact, I may like it less than you do. But it has become clear to me in my many years of serving the Lord that God fully intends for me to be in over my head. Over my head. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I want to have my head above water. I want to be able to see where I'm going. I want to be able to plan, forecast, figure this out, have a plan for me and you and you and you and everybody else, and we're all going to do this together, but not in over my head. But my story, I live most of my life in over my head, in places I didn't deserve to be or maybe shouldn't have been. In over my head. Here's what I can tell you. Spiritual walk experience will teach you that the deeper you are in over your head, the closer you are to God. The deeper you're in over your head. Do you know what I mean over your head? Wave at me if you're, if you're still breathing. I don't know if you're still breathing. How many of you have ever been in over your head before? Situations too big for you. Situations that you, you are clueless how to get through it. Not the first clue. At best, you're faking your way to try to get through it somehow. But I just tell you my many, 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 many years of walking with the Lord is the deeper you're in over your head, the closer you are to God. To the text, verse 4. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Is that singular or plural? I'm sorry? Okay. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we've covered all this, I will let down the... Is that singular or plural? Huh. Isn't it funny how you can read the word and skip right past a little thing like that? Not see see it? We read so fast, trying to get our 15, 20 minutes in. So verse 6, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So Jesus said, I want you to let down everything you have, all the nets in your boat. That's what I'm calling on you. Let down your nets. And Peter said, okay, I'll let down my net. I'm going to obey you, Jesus. Watch this, man of faith here. I'm going to step out in real faith. So you understand, Lord, these nets are all I got. This is my livelihood. So you really, you really shouldn't be surprised if I, if I just keep a little here in reserve. 
Next question. Can you make the transition from trusting your plan to trusting God's plan? Oh, Dan, you didn't tell me we were going to do this. I didn't promise you as we went down this path it was going to get easier. Can you make the transition from trusting your plan to trusting God's plan? I am not good at this. I confess it. I'm a planner. I'm a pretty good one. And on more than one occasion, I have found myself not saying these words. Hopefully, I wouldn't be this stupid. But implying to the Lord, God, I trust you. Yeah, I trust you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of my, one of my favorite verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I love that verse. Quote it every day. And, and, and so, yeah, I trust you. I trust you, but can I still be in charge? Because I'm really good at being in charge. I want to be in charge. Bethesda, do you have the faith to let down your last net? You remember the story of Elisha in 2 Kings 4. Elisha comes to this woman who only has one little jar of oil remaining, and he says to her, I want you to pour it out. This is her last jar. And she says, but this is my last jar. And he tells her to go borrow jars and vessels from all of her neighbors. And so she sends out her sons, and, then, and she was to keep uh, pouring oil from her one little jar until the last borrowed jar was filled, and then the oil stopped. You know the story. My question is, how many fish could they have caught if they had let down all their nets? If they had truly obeyed God and let down all their nets? And further, what miracles lie just beneath the surface of my faith when I just let down one net as opposed to letting down my last net? Because it's my own limitations of my view of God, which keep me from experiencing all of God. My limitations keep me from experiencing all of God. We know what Ephesians 3 says. Now, uh, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. And yet we don't have the faith to let down all our nets. Bethesda, let us never forget God's can is always greater than my can't. I want you to say that with me, please. Okay, there's two words there in yellow. When you say those words, you need to put a whole lot more fire into it. One more time. Thank you. Do you have the faith to let down your last net? Let me conclude this by showing you my last point, which I find just a few verses down the chapter. It's Luke 5 and verse 9. For he, Peter, and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid? Why would Jesus say, don't be afraid? Odd time to say that. I mean, I love all the times the Scripture says, fear not, fear not, you know. I, but at this moment, they just caught the most fish they'd ever caught. What an odd response that he says, do not be afraid. He says, from now on, you will catch men. Oh, this might be a clue. 
So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. My final question, can you make the transition from foreseeing all to forsaking all? Can you make that transition? How are you doing with that? From foreseeing all. So what do you mean, Pat? Can I make the transition from having to understand it all? Seeing the whole plan out in front of me? Can I make the transition from seeing all to simply trying to understand the magnificence, the power, and the wonder, and the splendor of an almighty sovereign God that I serve who's got a much better plan than I have? The Greek word for this forsook is this. Up hear me, up hear me. And it simply means to let go, to send away, to dismiss. They forsook all, let go, send away, dismiss. And what we see, Peter, James, and John, they're dealing with in verse 11 is this. Can you forsake that which has kept you afloat until now, if that's what God's calling you to do? They had just broken every fishing record in the book. Their boats were sinking because of the haul of fish. Wouldn't you think that that would have been confirmation that they were in God's will by being fishermen? Having the biggest haul of fish they've ever had, that must be the blessing of God. Yeah, That must be confirmation that we're to be fishermen because we measure God's will by our success, don't we? Must be God's will because I'm being successful. Selah. And yet our text tells us what these guys did. They forsook. Just had their biggest moment. And they forsook all of it. It's like you or me winning the lottery. Millions of dollars. But because we are so drawn to Jesus, so taken with Him, that we would say, I don't even want it. I just want Him. That's what I want. God, give us a vision of who Jesus is. Bethesda, is it possible that we're being called to come to the place where any affirmation, any applause, any amount of money, any amount of influence, that we would forsake it all for the greater call to follow Jesus and be drawn to Him. When I look at the text and soak in it as I have the last few days, I have to ask that question. So I'm only left to conclude that something incredible happened on that boat that day. We read it as a nice story. Yeah, fishing story. I think there's a whole lot more going on there. I think there's a whole lot more being said to us through the story. Jesus started by simply asking Peter to put his boat out in shallow water. Then he instructed Peter to launch out into the deep. Once Peter had done that, Jesus challenged him to let down his nets, even though he'd been fishing all night and caught nothing. Peter then had to come to the place of trusting God's plan over his own plan. And then having brought in the largest haul of fish they'd ever caught, they went from foreseeing all to forsaking all. 
And once a believer in Christ is willing to walk through these transitions in their journey of faith, then Jesus says to them, don't be afraid, for I'm calling you to a new kind of fishing. From now on, your focus will be my kingdom. From now on, your purpose will be defined by my will. From now on, you will glorify my name as your life declares my lordship. Bethesda, hear the word of the Lord for us today. May the Lord add his blessing.